Five-hour tea with caffeine from green tea leaves. It's delicious, energizing, and comes in three amazing flavors. With zero sugar and four calories, it fits your life. With its compact size and portability, it goes where you go. To the campsite, the hiking trail, the beach, without weighing you down. Five-hour tea. Caffeine from green tea leaves. Release your natural sight. From the makers of Five-Hour Energy. For more information, visit fivehourenergy.com. Hello and welcome to a all new episode of Talking Game of Thrones. I am one of your hosts, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California, and I'm joined by my wonderful, talented, and beautiful co-host, the one and only Jen. How are you doing, Jen? Awesome. Very awesome. Especially very awesome after that <coughs> episode. Really, you enjoyed it. That's great. I, I'm not sure if I enjoyed it as much as I think I did, or if the long wait just made me enjoy it that much more. That's very possible. All right. So we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff with this episode. Uh, but first of all, uh, this is our first time talking about this this series. Uh, I I've resisted many times to chat about game of thrones and i finally said you know what it's time you know i didn't i knew this was going to be something that we're all going to be wanting to talk about and i felt like this was time to do so so i'm excited about this and i'm looking forward to to uh getting this conversation in so there's so much to go i mean one thing i love about game of thrones is that they do such a beautiful job of giving you a lot of characters, right? Uh, there's a lot of characters. There's a lot of characters that we all know and love. There's a lot of, um, you know, uh, wonderful information that uh, that is out there. If you are a fan of the show, you can, you know, you can look up stuff and, and find out things. And so they do a great job with the way that they deal with their fan base, right? And and you you need a guide you need a guide to uh to follow game of thrones at times right so um that's why i i love about that's one of the things that i love about this show and this season right before the season started i was going to watch like all the episodes again right but then i realized something i just didn't have the time Right. So what I did was uh, Screen Junkies actually has this great uh, 50 minute recap of all seven seasons. So it it does this brilliant job of giving you everything that you need to get, you know, get you there. So uh, if you guys, uh, you know, check it out. There's other as well that's not as long, but that one's pretty comprehensive and it gives you a lot of information. Okay, so I got that out the way. Let's talk about the episode. Tonight's episode was entitled Winterfell, and I didn't see any uh, anything listed of it until after the show had aired. I don't know why that was why that needed to be a state secret, but okay, <laughs> you know, you know, I guess they wanted to keep that mystery of what's you know the show. Um, and uh, it was directed by David Nutter, who, if you're an X Files fan. He was uh, one of the top, you know, um, directors for the X Files, and he's done a lot of stuff after that. 
And uh, everybody, in just about everybody, was in this episode. Uh, everybody that you want to see that are still left on the show. And the way that it started, the um, this episode started, was very cool. And I, I'll kind of go to you first. Uh, what did you think about the opening? Well, first of all, okay, wait. First of all, are we talking about the opening credits? Because I, I have to say we actually rewound through the opening credits to watch them twice. I'm talking about, uh, let's start off with the credits and then the actual opening. <laughs> because I feel like the opening credits were... The, uh, so uh, the people that I watched the show with said, oh, look, somebody gave them a bigger budget because the opening credits are way more intricate than they were before. Um, that was actually really cool. But um, and, and there was some fun stuff in there. There was def- it, It's definitely... Uh, world expansive that's for sure i think they touched on just about every single place in westeros that we have ever been um but the but the okay so i'm actually gonna sort of softball this back to you because i have a very specific understanding of the way that the 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 this season opened this episode opened and i i before I say what I think was both good and maybe not so good about the way that it opened, I would like to hear from you whether you thought this was the opening that you were looking for. Talking about the the opening as far as the credits, or are we talking about... No, now I'm talking about the actual narrative. The, oh, okay. Um, well, I mean, I was going to get into the narrative, but I, I, what I was referring to was, what did you just think about just the the magic you know like we'll get into the narrative part of it but uh my thing was what did you think about just you know the way it looked and the way it came you know and all of that kind of stuff and then we'll get to well it's it's so sleek i mean the 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 thing that i think sort of get does the show credit is there's always something new and sort of interesting in the opening credits anyway depending upon where they are and what they're doing but there is also something always so sleek about just sort of the way that they open the show, period. And it's um, there's all the new facets to what's happening. There's the new sort of uh, it's not a new piece of the ring, but it's an it's but the ring definitely now is not showing us the same thing that it was before. Um, and I you know, this is going to sound so funny. My son actually said, it's almost as if they built uh, the the Westeros world out of Lego, and we are experiencing Lego Westeros. And I, so at first we were laughing, you know, oh, that's so funny. And then I thought, you know, actually, that's a really good description of the way that this whole thing kind of came together. It's like, the the world in miniature is the only way that we can see how expansive Westeros is and how expansive it's become because didn't it, i mean it touched on basically every single part of Westeros that we've seen before right yes yes it so did. E- even places that we maybe didn't e- like like all the important thematic elements of the show so far were basically touched on yes no, I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was cool, and I love the um, now going from the the credits opening credits to uh, the opening scene with the soldiers marching into Winterfell. 
I just thought that was so awesome. I thought that was a very good, uh, you know, it, it had that gravity, you know what I'm saying, that it needed, you know, of of um, getting that season started. And we, we forget that this is the first time that these characters have been in the same space. So that, that's right. pretty awesome. And, and and it did. It I mean, it definitely felt like there was a lot of... Uh, gravitas is probably a good word but there's but I, you're, I mean the the weight of what was happening was clearly felt but I, there is something that is um <clears throat> which is winterfell is sort of this last bastion and you feel whenever well at least i do whenever i see the the people of winterfell how and in contrast, you have this army, which, you know, it, each it, there, there's this, obviously there's a uniformity to it, but it's not, it wasn't just in sort of the uniformness of the army. It was in the, the, the well kept nature of things and what a juxtaposition that felt in terms of where they were going and how Winterfell always feels so provincial. Mm-hmm. Does that, you know what I'm saying? Right. No, no, yeah, you're right. So it, it it always seems to me that uh, that whenever Daenerys, uh, well, actually, whenever even even Cersei is talking <clears throat> or thinking about Winterfell, they seem to either talk about it with a kind of dismissiveness, or they don't really understand how provincial it is. Like it takes somebody from in the north to understand the north and that i think was sort of a resonating theme throughout this entire episode yes no no definitely um okay so um i understand that you know john snow has a very different outlook of what they're up against and most of the people that are there who are a lot of them making decisions they really don't have an idea of what they're up to up against that's and right. That's why you're, they're getting all this pushback, you know. Um, so he still has that fight, you know, with his own people. Like, you know, we need to throw away all the petty stuff because, you know, these people ain't no joke. You know, it's not just an army, you know. And so he still he's, on, you know, he kind of feels like he kind of feels like Roy Scheider in Jaws. In a way, you know, like right. he's trying to he's trying to tell people like, hey man, we gotta close the park, you know. So um which which is interesting. And then and then uh he comes back with the queen, Daenerys. I know she's is she your favorite character? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well she comes back and she's Although so- I do love her. Yeah, this is not one of my favorites. I used to like her, and then she got annoying. Uh, but we'll get on. To, we'll get into that in the, in another time. But you know, she's very arrogant. <laughs> you know, she's really arrogant, and she seems to. She doesn't quite understand or care about. You know, you coming into this land, and she wants people to just fall to their knees and just be glad she's there and she doesn't understand it's politics right well the, okay so let's talk about that just for a quick second because i think the reason that daenerys doesn't understand what's happening in the north has everything to do with why liana uh stood up and said 
no, we, you know, we voted you to be king of the north, or you know, we we made you king of the north, um, and 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 her understanding of loyalty and how that stacks up as being free people already is different from Daenerys's so far conquest of most worlds or most uh, most. I don't know what I would call them, uh, environments, um, populations, Mm -hmm. because there's always uh, a nature of uh, breaking shackles of being, you know, the, the, um, the breaker of chains and things like that. She frees slaves and frees people from tyranny. But in the North, there is no tyranny. Well, I mean, what little tyranny there was, it seems like Sansa and uh, Arya probably stomped out already and and so in a lot of ways because daenerys is dealing with a completely different kind of population that doesn't i i think there's just a disconnect here i don't think that it's daenerys being uh being so filled with hubris that she can't see what's going on i think it's that she just absolutely doesn't understand this particular group well group isn't a good word she doesn't understand the north at all and and i don't feel like that's necessarily her being arrogant about it i feel like that's actually not being like like somebody failed Tyrion failed i think in in this in this respect because i don't think that Tyrion and and again so complicated i do I completely understand why all of this stuff is happening. They they are literally fighting the dead. And so for all the politics to be sort of coming in, it is, it's a far cry right now. Bran is the one who says we don't have time for this. And I agree. They really don't have time for this, but the, the, this idea that somehow they have to make peace with their own politics when they don't even understand their own politics is in and of itself a huge issue, let alone the army that's marching toward them of the dead, right? Does So far, does that make sense? No, it makes sense. I just don't agree. I think she's a jerk. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> so, you know, and we'll, we'll get back to her. But before, uh, I wanted to get to this because I think we can handle this pretty quickly. Um, and um, let's go to, I never, I didn't think I would be talking about this. Uh, okay, I'll say this. Uh, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, Chris Gray, uh, he has a show called Behind the Iron Throne, which will be on tomorrow night. Um, they were talking about what's going to be like, they were trying to predict what was going to happen and stuff. And one of the prediction th- uh, questions I was like, you know, we should try to predict who was going to get laid first. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, uh, Score one for House Greyjoy, because <laughs> uh, because uh, Euron finally got what he's been trying to get for a long time, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, um, which which ironically was so funny because Cersei saying, "If you want a whore, go find yourself a whore," and and yet at the same time, her realizing that she actually can't accomplish this without him. Uh, and so finally giving in was sort of um, a little bit ironic, just a teeny bit. Right. It was so funny. Um, and even before that, when he was with Yara 
And uh, he said, I keep you alive because I need someone to talk to because <laughs> these guys are a bunch of mutes. That's hilarious. That guy's a great character. Uh, yeah. He's a f funny guy, and uh, I can't wait to see him die. But uh... <laughs> he's, 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 so over, he's so over the top in sort of like everything that he says and does that it's hard not to feel you know, something he's not, he's not such a bad, he's not such a quote unquote bad character that you can't somehow relate in a, in a strange way, but he's also so bad that you're just like, I mean, you just, you cannot possibly be rooting for him. Well, as an uncle, I would say that he is a terrible uncle. So <laughs> one of the worst uncles I've ever heard of. Um, but, um, funny dude, terrible uncle. Uh, and talk, going to the Greyjoys, uh, you know, we had score one for Theon as well, saving uh, Yara and unfortunately getting that head. But but um... no, uh, you know what? I feel like that was the best thing in the world that Yara could have done, because it basically says, OK, uh, th this is it now. I know that you you are you're my level now. See, I like you enough to just headbutt you and pick you back up again. OK, so if God forbid you did something nice for me and I hid, but you, I don't think you'll see that as some kind of a good thing there. No, but I am not from the iron islands. And so, you know, I, I am definitely much more of a, uh, boy, I, 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 I'll, I think I'm from Dawn. I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. Okay. Yeah. I, I like my soft, happy living. Well, well, you know, kudos to Theon cause Theon, uh, He's gone through so much. I've never seen a show with more dickless, like penis mutilated characters. Uh, <laughs> and George Martin was sort of fond of that, isn't he? I see. Yeah. It's like, how many times you're going to keep doing that, uh, Brother George? It's funny because we just had this conversation during the show about whether Theon was still Theon or whether he will always be Reek now. Yeah. I mean, once they cut, once they cut that off, I think your name, you should change your name. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that's a that's a big departure of course right theon's character in the in the book is quite a bit different from the character that we see in the series so it's kind of cool yeah so um that was cool to, to see theon step it up and I'm, I'm glad you know one thing they do really well is they give they have so many wonderful characters and they give them moments so theon had his moment you know uh you know, it's like a bunch of characters had their moments. So let's let's go back to Winterfell, and uh, um, the the romance of Jon Snow and and Daenerys. You know, uh, I mean, I could totally see this as a huge selling point uh, for you if somebody let you ride on their dragon. Yeah, <laughs> I can totally see you're down. You would be down with that, or I can see if you had dragons, uh, you would probably only date a man who could ride it too. Um, but that scene was very good, uh, and it was—I thought it was really—it added to the wonder of the show. Um, what did you think about you know that that aspect of the show? Well, I I can't imagine that what we said in our living room has not been echoed throughout uh, every other podcast that has basically been spoken so far. We all said the same thing. Oh, hey, look, it's the new audition for How to Train Your Dragon, right. which which felt. But you know, I, I, it, as as much as tongue in cheek that sounds, it 
there's a reason that that is so powerful. And when I said to everybody, the, the reason that this feels really powerful to me is because Jon Snow as a Targaryen, it's hard to remember all the little pieces that go into this, but Jon Snow as a Targaryen, the, the dragons allowing him to ride is not just about the dragons thinking, oh, look, mom and dad are together. It's it's really a moment like we saw in season seven where there's some there's clearly something sort of uh, supernatural about what that bond sort of is. The dragons clearly understand <clears throat> that Targaryen is Targaryen. That says something pretty major. It also I feel like it also sets up something interesting for what may be to come. I mean, I of course I don't know, but it does seem like that piece was important for us to understand that John can command dragons as well as Daenerys. Mm-hmm. Because it did real I mean, it's they went out of their way to give us that information. And I don't think that stare at the end by the dragon to John was I'm looking at you because you're kissing Daenerys. I think it was something more. Uh, that's I, that's just my interpretation, but I I took it as he's just a creeper and wants to watch. <laughs> well, he's, I mean, he is a dragon. It is, you know, mm-hmm. poor guy. Yeah, hopefully he, you know, he never coughs around them, and he might burn them by accident. <laughs> that would be truly tragic. Right. Just tragic. All right. Um. So with the, you know, obviously later in the episode, he gets armed with the knowledge of his true, his true origin and who he really is. And, you know, how do you, based on, I mean, we didn't get a whole lot of how he's unpacking it, but based on what you've seen in this episode, uh, how do you think this is going to play out as far as how he's concerned? You know, this is really tough because it, it, because eventually he's going to have to recognize that the truth is the truth. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's eventually that's that will get borne out. But it, it is really interesting to me that Jon Snow would rather believe that his father could never lie to him rather than believe something that is uh, it, that that say, oh, boy, how can I even say it? It's not it's not that I think that that. Uh, Jon Snow doesn't believe Sam. I think he does believe Sam in some way. It's just how to reconcile what Sam says and possibly Sam says it because his father and brother, he just found out that his father and brother had been, you know, roasted by the dragons. Maybe that had something to sort of do with how Jon thinks about the information that's being brought in but it was real interesting to think that Jon Snow's first thought is you know Ned Stark would never lie to me my dad would never lie to me that felt very um it felt very Jon Snow to be honest yeah and and one thing it showed you too you can have a an asshole dick of a dad but if, when you find out that he gets burnt to death, that's still tragic, <laughs> you know. So they still it, still sees it as a tragedy. It well, and I mean that that kind of revelation. Uh, there's there's a really deep meaning in there. That kind of revelation 
it's not because I think that Sam understood that it wasn't just about his dad and his brother dying. It was about his dad and his brother dying. And like he said to John, you've pardoned people who have done you. You basically told all the wildlings, here's a second chance. Why is forgiveness okay in one situation and not okay in another? And I, I feel like that was sort of the core uh, piece that Sam is sort of railing against because you're right. I mean, Sam's dad and his, you know, that was just terrible. I can't imagine that Sam is, you know, really shedding too many tears. Maybe that sounds harsh, but I, I feel like there's a deep, there's something deeper going on there too. I mean, when you think about it, Daenerys truly is heading down a road of, of, collecting uh economies collecting um collecting she she is behaving in a way that a conqueror behaves and every time conquerors go out to claim the world whether they think they're entitled to it or not they oftentimes the mistake that they make is setting double standards or setting standards that are too difficult for people to live up to and and that creates tension and strife just underneath the surface and that's where you get all of you know kind of the the inner conflict and i feel like they did a really good job setting that up as this is what winterfell feels you know winterfell is not is not just a um a colony to be colonized they are an actual independent presence that needs to be recognized does that you know what I'm saying? No, no, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and she doesn't under I don't know. I mean, she I guess you can blame it on how she was raised and her limited life experiences in diplomacy and uh, how to treat people. But uh you know Well maybe, but maybe there's something else going on, right? Maybe Daenerys sees all people as needing to be freed from the shackles of whatever. And doesn't, like I said before, doesn't understand that not everybody needs to be freed from something. That if you're going to ask people to be in alliance with you and acknowledge that you are queen of the seven kingdoms, then you have to make concessions that she's not willing to make right now. Because I don't think that she, again, I don't think she understands that these people are already independent. They don't need her except obviously in in the war but i mean it, it it's different it is definitely different they, there is no tyranny in the north there is no one for them to be freed from right right no. it's not like in the city uh, in the in the uh it's not like in king's landing where cersei is clearly not exactly the most benevolent of people it's not like you know she's uh, freeing the unsullied or any of that. This is all very different. Yeah. Very much different. Um, we had a, a, several reunions and first time, you know, seeing people uh, in this episode. Uh, one of the, Aria had several. Yeah. <laughs> Aria, you know, the best was her and the Hound. That was pretty cool. Uh, that was think, cool. What did you think about that when he steps to her? And said, he's, uh, he, I think he said the line was, you're a cold bitch, right? That's what he said to yep. him. Yep. Yeah. Like I, 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 first of all, I, I really love the way that 
that character, the Arya's character, has been able to not just hold her own. And God, hats off to uh, to um, to Maisie as as a as a character, right? Because I mean, as an actress, because the, the there is something amazing about that representation. In the very beginning, when Jon Snow is passing by, you can see viscerally on her face this sense of, I don't know whether it's doubt or whether it's like, uh, or whether there's something else there, I'll just say that. But when she meets with all of the other characters, oh my gosh, she cannot just hold her own. She is her own. Like, she is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, no, no, she is, uh, for a, such a, a small person, <laughs> she, uh, definitely holds her own, and, uh, I really enjoyed that, uh, that back and forth between them, you know, they always, you know, I always really appreciated that, uh, that coming from, uh, her character. The, I think the thing is that at this point, Arya has realized that it's, it's not, it's not just that she needs to rely on herself to get whatever done that needs to be done. It's that Arya has realized that she is important herself. Like there is something uh, essential about who she is that is not defined by what other people can do for her or what she can do for other people. And that feels like a very full, rich sense. She, it feels like she is where uh, Sansa kind of was when Sansa took her power back. And that's, I, I, that actually is, to me, that's, I, it's, it's funny because I remember the, the George Martin quote about, you know, well, how, how do you write strong women or, you know, how are you so good at writing strong women? And basically he's just like, I write strong human beings instead of I write, you know, strong men or strong women. That really comes through in a lot of the characterizations that are happening right now between all of the female characters in A Game of Thrones. It it does, it feels very much like, um, it doesn't matter whether they're female or male. What matters is that they can all hold their own. Wait a minute. Women are human beings? Um, well, last I checked. <laughs> okay. And, and uh, just as a side note, uh, Varys, uh, poor guy. I mean, how many bo no balds jokes that he must have heard in his life? You know, and that's one of the early scenes in the um, this episode is we get... Tyrion, um, uh, you know, giving him another one. So it is so funny that Tyrion is is willing to not just make fun of him, but it is funny also that Tyrion <coughs> ha that there is definitely some kind of inner joy that Tyrion gets from being not the one at the mo at the bottom of the uh, of the totem pole, if you will. I mean, I guess I understand, you know. Being, you know, what he had to go through his whole life, right? Well, and also, though, yeah, okay, let's just be, let's just be honest, right? Uh, th this part of why I think Daenerys has a hard time is because Tyrion sometimes can be, uh, as, as her advisor, Tyrion can sometimes be uh, uh, personally a little less humble then I think Daenerys needs somebody to be around, right? Because Tyrion as a Lannister, I, there, there's no way that you can't say that Tyrion doesn't have, I know he's been through a lot, but he projects himself with this kind of 
the same kind of arrogance that that Daenerys does. It, it's it, it's different in scope, but it's the same hubris. No, yeah. Um, there's one more. Uh, I mean, well, there's a, there's a couple more things I want to get to, but uh, let me. Uh, I'm I'm gonna pull up an image so we can look. But uh, I don't know. Can you see? Yes. That that scene was. <laughs> That scene, you know, kind of remind me of, uh, I don't know if you watched Dexter. Did you watch Dexter? Yeah. Do you remember like the first season? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it kind of, remember, I, it was, it turned out to be, well, spoiler alert, it turned out to be his brother that was. Uh, right. And remember how he would cut the bodies and stuff like that? It kind of, yep. he had that kind of thing going. Uh, what did you think about, about that scene? First of all, it, it's, it starts off pretty funny. Uh, okay, so, cu- blue couple things, joke. right? The blue, he got blue eyes, you know. <laughs> I've always had blue eyes. Yeah, yeah, that that actually was pretty funny. Um, w- one interesting uh, aspect about this, which is uh, obviously, you know, I know everybody kind of notices, but it's it, it it's actually interesting that there's been so much death and so much war and so much uh, strife that now the young are leading the old. Mm-hmm. The, and and that was another theme that was touched on at least twice in this episode. And I feel like it's kind of important. Um, and uh, because there, there is this sense that there is a lot of inexperience happening um, mm-hmm. that that's, that may pave the way for some things to happen, which may end up not being so great, but the, that poor, uh, what's his, what was his name? Lord uh, begins with the U. Um, uh Oh shoot! I'm sorry. I I, I can see his Lord name, you. but I can't think of it. What's that? Lord, Lord you. you. Mm-hmm. Lord you. There. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, I'll 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 get to it. Mm-hmm. Um. But he, the 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 idea of of them having to kill that boy was that was big. Right. I'm. I mean, I can't even imagine. Right. And I, it, of course, to me, it's actually kind of funny that the that the person who doesn't see is the person who is able to kill him because it sort of feels like anybody else might actually have a hard time with that. Yeah. So the he, Lord of the light does not discriminate. Apparently does now was he playing chicken or was he really like, uh, was he really out of it or was he just playing chicken the whole time waiting for his, you know, cause we never seen white walkers do that, you know, where they, you know where they are like playing dead, and then they come out like that. Well, it may have taken it may have taken a while for him to. I hate using the word turn, but you know that it that seems reasonable. I don't know if it was strategic, if that's what you're thinking. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I I, I, don't, I didn't get a good sense of that. Oh, okay. Great scene. I, uh, the fans are gonna kill me. Uh, the the guy on the screen, his name. Um, the red beard. Yeah, not Mance. No, um, not Mance Raider. My uh, I, yes, I I know. I, I know. he's uh, a wildling. Uh, 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 yeah, don't I, worry, don't worry. I, I, my names are all out the window tonight. I was so excited to see so many things that honestly, somebody when we were watching asked me uh something very simple and i couldn't come up with the name because i had so much 
new stuff happening in my brain. So yeah, I apologize too. Uh, um, it'll, that'll come to me too. Uh, the, the moment that we end the podcast, I'll go, Oh my God, I know everybody's name. No, that's all good. Um, now this is a, this is something that, you know, it never, it didn't even occur to me. It didn't occur to me until he comes to, uh, Winterfell. Uh, Jamie Lannister. I'm like, wait a minute. He pushed Bran out the window. <laughs> yep. That, yeah, like, talking about chickens coming home to roost. And, because uh, I don't know if it was ever said out loud that that's what happened. I think, I think it was, if I remember correctly, did they really know that Jamie did that? Did who know that Jamie did it? I'm talking about the parties like uh, Jon Snow and Arya and, you know, all those Sansa and all of that. So, okay, so... He knows that he got pushed out of the window by... Uh, right. And, and and in the beginning, part of the uh, part of the comedy of errors is that they capture Tyrion because... Uh, Caitlin Stark thinks that it was Tyrion because right. of the dagger that was found. Right. And and the and that that was the attempt on his life. But in terms of who pushed him out the window, no, they no, don't I don't think anybody actually really. I don't think anybody know. Not anybody of consequence. Certainly, it wouldn't have gotten back to Jamie. Right. So yeah, I, although, I love that. I love although this. everybody knew that he was alive. I love the scene though, uh, you know, where where he gets there and he's like, and then he sees him. He's like, oh shit, <laughs> you know, like, I, you know, obviously, I don't. He didn't know he was alive, right? He, not that I would have. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to guess that Jamie Lannister knew that he was still alive. But, I mean, when you think about it, Bran almost died and and did die so many times in because he got pushed out the window because there was the assassination attempt because there was the uh whole thing with theon and i mean unless somebody had specifically set out with that information to tell him it would be difficult i think for him to know who else would have known that could have told jamie right so that's our big oh shit moment at the end is when uh and it really and the cool thing is if you if you look, the one thing, reason why I asked you, would you think about the first episode? I mean, the first scene in the episode, it was a tie-in to the f- pilot. Right. And so the final scene in this episode is a tie-in to the pilot as well, but in a different right. way. That, that's the whole point I was getting at, was uh, that's so cool how they bookended it. With, uh, you, know, it you know, they give you a, a scene that was... You know, that was reminiscence of the pilot. And then they, you know, the big thing that was like the big oh shit moment in the pilot was, you know, when he gets pushed out the window. And so it, it was so long ago, you forget about it happening, you know. So kind of like winter is coming is sort of, you know, the trope. It also feels uh, to me like this season is sort of all roads lead to Winterfell. Right. Maybe that's you know, whether whether metaphorically or just logistically. Right. 
So I just thought that was pretty cool. What can, can I ask you? What did you think actually of um, of? Okay, so a couple things. First, um, just as a shout out, because I just thought it was so adorable. Aria trying to flirt was just so. Oh my gosh, it was such awkward, awesome. I I just loved it. Only she could command that, I swear. Um, but th- what did you think of uh, of uh, okay, well, I guess a couple of things. What did you think of Theon's choice to go back to Winterfell? I think he knew that what he did was wrong. So I feel like this is him making amends. You know? Yeah. Do you do you think that's what it's about? I I'm not sure if I think that that's what it's about. What do you think it's about then? Yeah, okay. So uh, and then this is just in the in the series, right? Because in the in the books, it's it it's it's a bit different. But in the series, it really feels to me like Theon has been uh, at the mercy of the wind instead of commanding it in terms of his own. Uh, fate and who he is loyal to. He's been forced to be loyal to people. He's done things in the name of loyalty because he thought that was what was expected of him. He has created uh, sort of challenges for himself that didn't need to be there, but then he had to sort of get through them in order to move on to whatever was next. And I, I don't think that this is about redemption for Theon. I think it's about him understanding that some things are bigger than himself that loyalty and uh, and the ability to move on that loyalty is more important than just who he is. And I don't mean just who he is, who, what he, what house he represents, what, you know, what he, he said, clearly, you're my queen, wherever you ask me to go, that's where I'll go. But it was really obvious when she said that you, you want to go back to Winterfell, that you could almost feel from the screen that his loyalty it's not with Jon Snow it's not with Sansa it's with something else it's it's something that Ned Stark started all those years ago hmm. which is which is bringing his kids or the kids that were there together in this sense of the north is so important and and it's your identity this is how you become bigger than yourself and also I, well i mean I guess, or you could be overthinking it. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Well, as with many things, Game of Thrones, it is very easy, I think, to overthink some of the more uh, some of the simpler storylines. But, uh, but also because there is such a complicated dance of characters, alliances, and storylines, it's it also never feels like any of these ideas are necessarily out of place because they all feel very because it is so expansive. I mean, about the only thing that wouldn't make sense right now is, you know, maybe a new army arises and Deus Ex Machina wipes out everybody. Yeah. Or, you know, global warming happens and all of a sudden the White Walkers are, don't exist anymore. Something like that. <laughs> well, let's hope that's not how it's uh, resolved. I don't think so. That um, wouldn't be very satisfactory, no. No. Um, okay, so can I go back in time? You can try. Okay, so do you see what's on the screen? Yes. You know what that is? 
Uh, it's small, so I'm not 100% sure. Okay, are you on your phone? Yeah, unfortunately. Okay, it's the, the ice dragon. Oh, it's the ice dragon. Okay. So Yeah, now I can see it. Now, I know you're not on the uh, board of uh, terrorism of Westeros. But... Well, not today. <laughs> they turned down my application. Sorry. Maybe I need to look at that map again to see exactly how far the wall is from uh from Winterfell, Winterfell. yeah because... it's a good distance it's a good distance because we know that uh we know that Jon Snow Ned Snark uh Ned Stark and uh and I think Tyrion for the last leg I mean they were they had been traveling for quite some time before they got to the wall right so um, it's a while so um my question is uh the Night King right the the night king he's on his caravan of love and uh he is uh heading towards uh winterfield um so this is the obviously the calm before the storm right um like w- did you expect to see uh the night king at all i didn't no no uh when do you think we'll get the Night King? I, I've i heard that the third episode is like a big one. Uh, I don't know any details about it. I just know that it's supposed to be like one of those big Game of Thrones episodes that is, you know, out of this world. So I'm thinking personally, this is just me, that we'll get maybe near the end of the episode, the beginning of the you know the full-on attack um which is cool right i I mean i didn't expect a whole lot as far as action wise to happen in this in that episode um but next week's episode i don't know if you saw it it looks like it's like a trial or something Mm -hmm. of uh of um jamie and i'm hoping I'm hoping it's not some like that'll be boring. Like it kind of well, scared me. Like the the preview kind of scared me. Like is is next week's gonna be like a trial episode? Of Jamie. Lawrence? Okay, so so I'm of a few minds about a lot of this stuff, and this is why I think that that politics matters. It's first of all. I mean, you might as well have labeled this episode revelations because there Mm -hmm. were just, well, revelations and homecoming. There were so many reunions that were, were actually revelations like, Oh my God, you're alive. Or, Oh my God, I never expected to see you again. Or, Oh my God, I can't believe you're here for Jamie. Obviously this is really complicated. Um, And I don't, I personally understanding what we understand about what's going to happen with Cersei's army says to me that if they don't put Jamie through some kind of trial by fire, no one's going to trust him. Right. So the, I feel like narratively they need to do this. They need to figure out whether his loyalties are, I just said that before, right? The whole idea is everybody is sort of understanding where their loyalties are, but Jamie has is one of those people who has switched sides so many times that it's hard to understand or not switch sides, but 
appeared to be doing things on both sides for so long that I think that if they don't somehow narratively come to the conclusion, yes, Jamie is, is okay to be our ally, they never will. It, then it, that would always sort of be hanging over things. And, and also I think it wouldn't make quite as much sense for him to be a part of anything. Because why should anybody trust anything that he's doing? I agree, but I don't want a whole episode of uh, of Jamie on trial. Do you life. think it's a whole episode? I mean, they didn't even do that with with the the fight scene with Prince Oberon. I'm just saying. I hope that it's not uh, half the episode either. Of you know, you know. I mean, also, also, let's face it. Bran is dead. Uh-huh. For all intents and purposes, there is no Bran anymore. It's it, Bran as we understand him in the flesh, the three-eyed raven. There is no Bran. I mean, that's the whole point of Bran saying when he's when Jon Snow said, "Oh my God, you're a man now," and Bran said, "Yes, yeah, something like that." That's not. That wasn't a mistake. That wasn't him saying, tongue in cheek. Yeah, no, I'm not actually not quite that old. What he was saying was, "I'm not really a man." I'm something else, something you probably wouldn't understand. So yeah, a little bit of, okay, yeah, something like that. That That is important to understand because J- it would be difficult for, for them to convict Jamie of killing or trying to kill Bran when I don't think that, I, I just feel like there's some other purpose in here other than putting Jamie on trial so that they could punish him. Like justice doesn't seem to be quite that ridiculously mi- built in minutia, and not in this world. Hmm. Does that? Do you know what I'm saying? No, I hear what you're saying. I'm just saying, me personally, I just hope that it's not. I, I so highly doubt, with the limited amount of time that they have, that they would put in anything even akin to a quote-unquote filler episode, or that there would be filler material inside of an episode they have a such a short window to get so much done i have a lot of trust at this point in the writers not just because they have produced something more far more epic than i ever could have expected but because even even based on this last episode i don't feel like any hair narratively was out of place i mean this episode felt like a a a piece of excellently sharpened steel the edge is so fine on it that it's really that it's hard to find fault with and I'm not saying that there aren't things that maybe could have been done or should have been done or, but everything that did happen felt so purposeful and so uh, well driven based on past events. So it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel to me like, oh, okay, well next episode, maybe we'll just have a whole bunch of superfluous information that we'll just, everybody will just have to watch because yeah, we need a popcorn couple of moments. Like, that just doesn't seem... That just seems so far out of the expected that it, I would... Yeah, I don't think so. We'll see. We we shall see. I'll, I'll bet you a cup of coffee. Okay, you got it.
Yeah. No, well, I, I don't think anybody does. I mean, I feel like the expectations are so high at this point. Remember, Seinfeld and the X-Files both ended on a on a, a trial. Yeah, somehow I doubt that that is what's going to happen here, though. I, I just don't think so. Okay. Okay. Do we know? Do we know at all whether George Martin knows how the series ends? How the series ends? Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he has to know. I mean, it seems like he would know, but I was curious if there had been any press about what his thoughts about it were. He was talking as if he didn't really, really know, but I think he know. I think he's just saying that. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. All right. So, uh, how can people get you on social media? Uh, you can find me at following bliss one on Twitter and you can join me on my websites at critical and movies make the meal.com. You can get me at Kente F on Twitter and, uh, and you can go to Instagram and get me at Kente Ferguson. That's K I N T E. F-E-R-G-E-R-S-O-N on Instagram and of course our website is IndieRadio.org that's I-N-D-Y Radio.org We'll be back next week with an all new episode You guys have a great week An MBA from a globally recognized and celebrated business school is achievable on your terms Find your fit among the Kellogg School of Management's innovative portfolio of MBA programs including one year, two year part time, joint degree and executive options Wherever you are in your career and your life, there's a Kellogg program designed to help you succeed. Visit kellogg.northwestern.edu slash MBA. It's Universal! This is the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Running to Hogwarts, running to Hogwarts. Look, look, here comes Bumblebee and Optimus Prime. This is Transformers The Ride. Careful, here come the walkers. Hurry, they're after you. This is the Walking Dead attraction. This is incredible. This is amazing. This is Universal. Come join us at Universal Studios Hollywood. Buy online and save up to $30 at UniversalStudiosHollywood.com. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for one-day general admission and California resident tickets only.